Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Hello, Lisa Rubin. Hello, Katie Harms. Oh, we got to get right into it because people are ready to go. They're on the move. They're going, they're going, they're going. They're, they're ready to travel and they don't know how to pack. Well, they don't, not, <laughs> they don't know how to pack. They don't know how to dress. And the one thing I'm getting all the time is they don't even know how to talk to people anymore. I am not a talk coach. <laughs> hey, you know what? Roshini Rajkumar is our guest today. She is a talk coach. Well, maybe we need to talk to her about talking. I think we do need to talk to her about talking. That is absolutely brilliant. But first, we have to talk about how to pack. I suppose you need to find your suitcase first. Definitely you need to find your suitcase. And here's a couple of funny things that have happened. So many people are texting me, calling me, emailing me. They're all saying the exact same thing. Lisa, I have no idea how to get dressed in the morning. I have no idea how to talk to people. <laughs> and I used to travel all the time, Monday through Friday. I forgot how to pack. I mean, I understand how to fold my clothes, they'll say. But I don't even know how to put it in the suitcase. I don't even know what to pack. I forget how much underwear to pack. So I'm doing a lot of packing consultations. Can you do this remotely also? Or are you going in people? I know you're I'm going doing back in people's homes. Okay. No, because I have clients that are out of town. Mm-hmm. They still don't know how to pack. Even people out of town don't know how to pack. <laughs> and they need to get back into town, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, I have three trips coming up for work and I'm I'm lost. Okay, so, so let's just say I am taking a four-day work trip. Okay, so here are a couple questions that I want people to think about. When they are going to start thinking about their trip, I want them to put it in days. So think of it only work-related and think of what am I doing the first day? What am I doing the second day? What am I doing the third day? What am I doing the fourth day? What does that mean? That means, do I need one outfit or do I need two outfits? Do I need a day outfit and then an evening outfit? And then separate it in your closet. When you're pulling things from your closet, start thinking about that and lay them out on your bed and decide what you're going to do as if you're just going for that day. And when you're all done, take a picture, put a post-it note on it, then do day two, then do day three, and then do day four. Now, if that sounds overwhelming to you, that's what I do, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's what people ask me to do. But that's how you can break it down and make it a lot easier. Now, everybody, don't forget to put in the proper undergarments. Yes. For yes, day one, yes. two, three, and four. Yes. A new friend of mine who was having a girls weekend this weekend said, oh, I told the girls we're going to listen to the episode with the undergarments. <laughs> so they're all, that still has become one of our most talked about episodes of the undergarments as I as I make sure my bra is adjusted It correctly. is adjusted I, very well I'm today, Katie. You have day. a bra on this time. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not fair. I had a little bit of hives last time. It was difficult to I wear. I understand. I got through it. It was Thank a medical God. reason. Thank God this is a podcast and we're not visual we're not visual medium right now. Yes. Yet. But you look very pretty today. So <laughs> you could you. be visual medium. This is, this is my color, this blue color. I it's just, a great color in you. I love blues. I was looking at my t-shirt drawer, you know, kind of editing out some t-shirts, and I have about four different t-shirts in different shades of blue. 
So that's your color. So that's my color, I guess. You know, I ran into Jane Haugen Olson. She was taking a trip with her family, and we ran into each other at Nordstrom. And she said, oh, I'm editing down. You know, it's like you want... And she remember, we talked with Jane, and she's the queen of layering. So I would think it would be hard for her to figure out what to go with, and I'm sure she does a brilliant job of it. But that's one thing we, we chatted about was how to put the proper stuff in your wardrobe when you have so many things you really like and you want to take them and you want to and so how do you how do you help people let it down if they're do you go with a color theme of your pack well it all depends i mean if you're going on a business trip and let's say you have a speaking engagement or it's a board meeting or you're going to be at a dinner and people don't know you and they're seeing you for the first time because of covid a lot of people have not met someone in person so you need to talk about all those things but the one thing that I tell people is that pick your favorites. If you're going to go on a four-day trip, pick your favorites. Pick the stuff that makes you feel good and makes it the best version of you, right? Don't try to reinvent the wheel because when you're going on this trip, the likelihood of someone knowing that you wore that last week is pretty low. Maybe your admin, maybe the person that you're going with for business, right? But that's about it. And really, if you wore it last week, is that a big deal? To some people, that makes them uncomfortable, right? I suppose. To some women. So on the flip side is if you were doing a four-day vacation and it wasn't work-related, people tend to pick their favorites too, right? Because they want to feel good for those four days. Okay, what if you have a, you, you have a four-day business trip with two days of fun tacked on to the end? Do you work in some of the business attire that can work as a fun attire, or do you make it so that... You have to have a separate outfit for each of those fun days. Depends who you are and depends what size suitcase you want to bring. Which leads me to when you are packing, my Lisa Rubin system, which many people have incorporated, and it's not a new thing, but you don't have to go buy the really nice zip bags that you find at you know a luggage store, is you buy the large Ziploc hefty two-gallon bags. Oh, Interesting. And you roll everything. So I can't show you how to do that on a podcast. Well, I think I think people can figure out how to roll. But if it's I a suppose, shirt, you I fold it in half, in, yes. and you 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 fold it in half. You put the arms down, and you roll from the top, not the bottom. Okay. And you roll it tight, and then you stick everything in horizontally in the bag and line them up. And then what I tell people to do is write on the bag: t-shirts, blouses, pants. And you'll see that. So when you're throwing it all in the suitcase and you're ready to get ready in the morning, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm wearing a pant, a shirt. And obviously, blazers are the only things you can't roll. You would fold those. And those would be at the bottom of your suitcase. So oh, the, at the tighter. Bottom. See, I was thinking top. Okay. No. So the tighter you make your suitcase and your clothes and they don't move around, you will have no wrinkles. How interesting. And then we have to talk shoes. So shoes is always a problem, right? Because most women want to bring more shoes than clothes. So true. So I would, again, line up your days, decide on your shoes, and maybe one shoe will be able to be worn two or three days, right? And then you have to figure out, it's like a puzzle, where are you going to put those shoes in your suitcase? Don't put them at the bottom. Put them at the top because the shoes are going to hold your clothes down and then they're not going to wrinkle. 
Oh my gosh. I feel like the whole world has been open. We can go back to traveling people. (laughs) So those are just a couple things that I tell people for packing. And a lot of people have forgotten where their suitcase is. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, maybe look ahead of time and decide which suitcase you're going to bring and all of those things. What goes in your carry-on? Do you put an outfit in your carry-on in case you your luggage gets lost if you're if you're actually checking? If you're checking luggage, yes. You know, and a lot of my clients are now starting to travel overseas even though they're going through all the COVID protocols, which is a whole nother thing of things that you have to think about when you're packing. But I always tell people if you are going overseas or you're going to a place where you can't get something quick if you had to, I would always suggest packing one outfit in your carry-on. Now, everybody has their favorite carry-on, right? There's one particular carry-on that I recommend that has a zipper thing on the bottom, which you can put your shoes. Oh, that makes sense. And you can lay your shoes in the carry-on and then throw all of your loose liquids, whatever, or you can put that outfit at the bottom. Sure. What is the name of this bag? It's a Low and Sons bag, L-O and Sons. And does it come in sizes? It does come in sizes. I think there are two sizes. I haven't looked since before COVID. Maybe they've come up with a new size, but there's a larger size and then a regular size. And the larger size comes with a strap, so you actually can crossbody it so you don't have to hurt your shoulder. It's fantastic. It's a very thick canvas bag, and it is indestructible. And it has pockets. And you can pockets. A two-day trip, you could fit everything you need in that bag. I have done it. You don't even need a suitcase. Well, that's fantastic. All right. Well, I think we have given a phenomenal amount of information on packing and opened people's eyes and given them something to look forward to in their packing rather than having it be a excruciating (laughs) stressful thing. Just stressful. Everybody just try to do it in days. Count your days. Count really what you're going to be doing so that you don't overpack. Because if you overpack, you can't buy anything if you want to because you have no room for it. Yeah. And like everything, it's the pre-planning and the preparation for something that really makes it a much more enjoyable experience once it actually happens. Very true. So let's, uh, let's welcome Roshini Rajkumar. She is a world traveler. So she probably knows a bit about packing, but we definitely want to talk to her about how to talk. That would be a really good thing because I'm not a talk coach. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Roshini Rajkumar. We're so happy to have you. I am so happy to be here. So we were talking about packing before you came to join us. And Lisa was pretty funny because she said she's hearing from a lot of her clients who are like, "I I haven't traveled for I don't know how long. I don't know how to pack anymore. I don't know how to talk to people. And she said, I'm not a talk coach. I said, well, Roshini is a talk coach. (laughs) So if you meet somebody for the first time, or let's just say the elevator speech, what do you tell them you do? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, don't like that term elevator speech. Okay. Try to nix it. Try to get it out of your vocabulary. Okay. Because that implies one size fits all. Oh, we know about one size fits all. And we know Lisa doesn't like one size fits all, right? (laughs) So... Really what it is, is a short introduction, a personal introduction, whatever you want to call it. And you always want to think about audience analysis. So that short 20 to 60 second introduction or 
back and forth with someone, depending on who it is, could change up. Your intent may be similar. You may want to really showcase who you are or establish a rapport. That could be an intent line or build credibility. But based on who the audience is, one or many, you want to change up how you communicate that personal introduction. All right. So let's just say you're with a new group of friends or people you've just met, small group. Strangers. Strangers. Who are you? All right. Well, I am an executive crisis coach who happens to have been a television reporter. I'm also a talk show host, talk show and digital host, radio and digital. And I just enjoy helping people own their wow. I love that tagline. I do. I do too. And what I also love is that you you walk the walk, you talk the talk. So as I have watched you and as I have worked with you and then gotten to know you as a friend, when you read something that somebody puts out, you are so good about commenting and really bolstering people up. Way to own your wow is I think one of the things that I've seen or way to communicate that. Right. Communicate that is my book title. So I love saying way to communicate that because it not only is my book title for those who know that, so it's a little bit of a, an inside kind of line, but it really is a compliment when someone puts together things, whether they're giving someone a shout out on LinkedIn or they write a really cool Instagram post and people love comments and they love engagement. I know you all love it. You both love it when people listen to and comment on your podcast and share it. So when I see something that's well said or well communicated, really, I like to give that pump up to someone. I think that's fantastic. So you have to add author to your describing who you are. I am an author. Yes, Communicate That is in its third edition, but even the third edition is now needing a fourth edition because the third edition came out in 2014. The original book came out in 2010. It lays out my IAP communication formula, which is a communication formula that you can apply to any communication setting. It doesn't have to be the big game days. It could be a simple email, a phone call, uh, a podcast, whatever, the big and the little game days. And it really is something about a, an easy preparation tool. So it stands for intent, audience analysis, and powerful performance. So the intent line is about you, the communicator. The powerful performance is about your audience. That's why it's really important we do the audience analysis. So even in a simple 60-second or shorter personal introduction, based on who my audience is in front of me, I want to customize what comes out of my mouth or how I deliver that introduction. So it's interesting because that's what I do when I'm helping people with their executive presence. And one of the first questions I ask them is, who is your audience? Because in order to dress for your day, you have to mirror, I say, who your audience or who your client's going to be or who the person at the other end is going to be. Even if we're virtually on computer still, and we're not in person doing it, you still have to mirror them. And that is my biggest thing. So I do the same thing. Really important. And showing the level of respect that is needed for that situation. And the flip side of that is if it is a dressed down or a casual thing, you also don't want to show up in a three-piece suit because then 
that could deliver the subtextual message of that you're taking yourself too seriously or you're too uptight. So it's really thinking about all those things, the technical details of the setting, what you might do on a virtual video meeting versus an in-person meeting, all of those kinds of things. Yep. Have you guys seen the commercial? I think it's for a... Um phone company for a mobile phone company where it's about spotty service and the one woman's talking to another woman who's going to have a a lunch meeting and she said it's my first ever and the woman on the other end of the phone is saying well you know giving her some hints and tips and then the commercial shows with the spottiness what she heard so she shows up to this lunch in a theatrical costume <laughs> yeah, i have seen that it, yes, i think it's about funny. you guys all the time especially you lisa because that's that's kind of the thing really having that comfort level to show up dressed how you want to be dressed so that you can feel comfortable so that you can put your best foot forward and if you've done the work on audience analysis and how you communicate there should be it should be a smooth sailing experience yeah i don't use what's your costume but i say let's discuss what your uniform for the day is going to be makes sense makes sense all right so i know you to be an incredibly well put together person, Roshini. Well, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> so how did you come? You have a style. How did you come to that style? Well, a lot of it is informed by my past life as a television reporter, as a television broadcaster, because you really did have to think about how you were going to look on air. And you weren't always under the lights of a set. I mean, often as a reporter, I was out in the field. So you had to dress for your day, dress for the story, but you didn't always know what your story was going to be. So sometimes you would show up at a flood, you know, situation <laughs> and you're in a suit or you're in a skirt. And so that might be the, the reason why I'm such a lover of pants, because I think in that world, I wore pants a lot, not necessarily jeans, but trousers, sometimes jeans, depending on if I knew ahead of time I had weather coverage or something like that. But really understanding that no matter what is happening, you still have to get up and perform on television. And now, you know, TV reporters even more in different ways on digital screens, on audio, all those different kinds of things or audio only. So it was really a part of my life, uh, that decade in television news on camera, and then starting my business in 2006, where I continue to do things on camera as a commentator and analyst, and also as a speaker. So sort of how the whole package is put together is very ingrained in me and maybe even predates my television news career because I have a mother who's very well put together and she always looks impeccable. I mean, people tell her that. I don't know that I always look as impeccable as she does, but there was from a young age, also where I grew up, people were stylish, uh, people liked nice clothes, things like that. And I mean, look, I grew up in the 80s, so there were some bad hair days. I mean, I look <laughs> back at some of those pictures of the big hair we all had, that I don't want to return to. But um, all of those parts of my life really inform what I do now. And then as an executive coach and someone who is helping executives with their uh, presence in different ways in their delivery, I can't look like a slob because there's no credibility in that with clients or if I'm on stage speaking, I can't look like a mess if I'm 
like you know, recently I was in Chicago speaking with auto dealer executives. And if I'm telling, you know, teaching them own your wow, we did the own your wow talk and we're teaching them how to own their wow, showcase it, master, you know, your differentiators. I couldn't be up there in sweats with my hair all straggly and no makeup on. So you do, I do have to live the brand. And then even if I'm more in a casual setting, I love fun things. I love things that are tailored and look good because if they look good on you, you feel better, all of those kinds of things. I got a sense early on what are good colors on me. And there are definitely colors, Lisa, that I avoid. (laughs) What's your favorite color? My favorite color, just as a color, not necessarily to wear, is green. I have not found that many greens that look really great on me. You know, I want to get a Kelly green something, and then I'll find that Kelly green thing. And it doesn't feel like it looks good. Well, you're going to be very excited to know that this fall... I've seen a lot of collections already. Green is the one number one color. I love it. Green, navy. Green and navy. So you're going to see a lot of greens. So go for it this year. This I, fall. I will try. I love navies and sapphire. I love blue. And I always say to my clients, especially when I'm the ones I prep for media, which is most of the executives, to always have men and women always have that French blue shirt or blouse ready to go because it looks great on okay. everybody. On and camera. it looks great yeah. on camera unless... The random blue screen, which is so rare because most most of those screens are green screen. I was, and, I've never heard of a blue yeah, screen. Yeah, every once in a while. But most the only people who usually have to deal with that at a TV station are the weather people. And my clients are not usually doing anything connected to the weather. So <laughs> I don't think it's really become an issue. But that's that's a fail. That's a like a fail safe. It's such a great, uh, great color. And royal purple is one of the colors, real purple and blue, are the two colors I say are the power colors. So depending on who you are, you know, men and women can make different choices. But for men, the wonderful royal purple uh, tie with an iced purple shirt, I love that combo. Women, we have more options when it comes to purple, but it's such a good color, kind of not the grape, but that royal purple. And it really does look good on camera too. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So I saw that your favorites, your clothing favorites, I noticed you use the word duster and shoes and cool vests. Duster is an old word. I and know. I loved seeing that. I don't know what else to call it, Lisa. What should I call it? You're the expert in this stuff. Duster is just a great word. It, it's, I wish we used it more, actually. So the duster that I'm thinking about, when I envision duster, I envision that long flowing piece over that you're going to wear it over pants or... Or even shorts. Or even shorts that is usually sleeveless. Maybe not. Uh, not Most of mine have sleeves. Some are vests, Okay, but no. And is it generally... No buttons. Colorful, no buttons. It, 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 It can be colorful. It doesn't have to be colorful. It's just flowy and long and easy and it's a layering piece right i love it it's It's, a layering piece it's a go-to piece for me for travel so two of my favorites one is like a just off white which is longer athleta brand one is uh, white house black market it's black it's a little shorter it's just below the knee but either of those usually is i'm wearing on the plane because yes, I, I get cold easily, but I can have something sleeveless or shorter sleeved underneath. If I start to get warm, I can take it off. It curl, wraps up nicely and goes in my bag. Uh, and I have at least 10 of them. I'd have to count. I may have more. 
I love them. I love mostly solids, but every once in a while, I'll have a patterned one. I have one that's striped with really thin stripes. You can call it a long vest, I guess. A long but vest. I but like, it's not I like the vest. word duster better. Yeah. I because love if the it has word sleeves, duster. Right? That's true. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of those for fall, too. Wow. I, <laughs> I love to hear that. You're going to be able to shop this fall. I'm so excited. Yes. Vests. Where did the vests come from? Also from reporting? And I, I think that? from the reporting days, because you wanted to feel professional, but yet I can't always wear a jacket, right? And I mean, to get a little personal, I... You know, I'm not flat chested. So if I have a cute short sleeve shirt, I don't necessarily want to just be in that when I was on air. So having a vest over that, I can get the beauty of whatever that shirt is underneath and not have kind of not being self-conscious about what's happening in the front. Oh, that makes sense. All right. And we have to hit shoes for us because, you know, I mean, I have a long love affair with shoes, having worked in the biz for a lot of years. Do you have a favorite pair or a favorite go-to when it comes to shoes? I suppose the whole wardrobe, but... Well, Coach is my favorite brand for shoes. I've had a lot of luck with Coach. And um, do you have a narrow foot? It's it's just normal, I think. I don't think it's narrow. I think it's just normal. I think Coach has done a really nice job. They're now owned by the same company as Stuart Weitzman. So you're going to see the shoes kind of have sort of that little twist now. But they've always run a little narrow for a lot of my clients. So it's interesting that that's your favorite brand because they must fit you very well. That's why I asked if your foot was narrow. Well, and one of the reasons I I love shoes in general, but with my business uh, that I started in early 06, I'm a professional speaker. So I'm also on stages. So I really do have to look good from head to toe because if I'm on a stage that's elevated, which is most of the time, people can easily see my shoes. So I also have some shoes that I only wear on stage and I don't let go outside because they're going to get scuffed up or that little, you know, what happens to that little heel. Some of my favorites, I've had that little heel replaced multiple times or resold multiple times. That is such a good hint for people to do that. And I tell people to do that actually right after they get the shoe, if they bring it into the shoemaker and have it replaced with a rubber one, because the one that they're generally sold with is more plastic and harder and the slippage is great if you catch the edge of that you will literally skate yes you will and that's scary i've done it and dangerous so getting those replaced with a rubber tip at least after you've worn them down too but that keeps your shoes newer longer one of my favorite pairs of shoes which has now kind of become my stage shoes, but I can't wear them every time. But, you know, if it's a new audience in a different city, a different association, (laughs) they've probably never seen my shoes before. But I wore them recently in Chicago for the auto dealers. And you know it's a good pair of shoes when men come up to me and say, I love your shoes, or my wife would love your shoes. And they're kind of a tapestry. So you could get away with wearing different colors with them. There's some red in there, some green, some black. They zip in the back, but they also have a strap around the ankle. So if you don't want to go through like buckling it up, you could just unzip the back and and, and slide them in. Oh, that's nice. And then they show some of the front, um, the top part of your foot, which I think is very sexy, but it's a closed toe. So never on stage would I wear an open, open toe shoe. And it's pretty rare that I recommend to my clients to wear open toe if they are going to be on a panel or speaking engagement 
because you just, there's just, it just doesn't photograph well. I say the same thing. I, I don't think you should have open toe shoes in a boardroom either. Agreed. It's too sexy. And it, you know, sometimes you're the only woman in the room. And sometimes it's not sexy because if you haven't really taken care well, of your Well, so that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother episode. But for you, you, no, but, but it, when I help people, that's one of Lisa's rules. If you're going to wear open toe shoes, you must get regular pedicures or at least make sure that your toes are well groomed because to me, that's like, not brushing your teeth. I've just not seen, there are open-toed fancy shoes, but I've just not seen any that I believe are as professional as a woman needs to have a serious subtextual message that she means business. I mean, I do love the classic stiletto. Not all my shoes are. I love them and they are very much a power shoe, but you can certainly find wedges with some power. You can find chunky boots, you know, those kinds of things. Or what I like in as many shoes and boots as I can is a real good square heel so that I can still get the lift, but it's uh, still a really sleek looking shoe or boot. And you'll see that this fall too. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so, this is going to be a lot of shopping in this <laughs> fall, be a Lisa. lot of shopping. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will be back to talk platforms, and I don't mean the kind you stand on when you're speaking. On the Viewing Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list, and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis, across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market, and Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store, Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the take and bake cookies. Available online or in-store truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back. I am sitting here listening to you two, and it's just, it gives me great delight because even though we're affiliated with some other things that we're doing, this is really the first time you two have sat down and had a conversation. And I feel like you both have this body of knowledge that intersects and crosses and shares. And it's really, really fun to listen to you talk about it because it is a passion point because how you're presenting yourself is so critically important which is why we did the podcast. Exactly. Right? And when you talk to professional women, when you dial down and get into it, it's really, really important for you as well. So this is really, I'm like, just, I feel like a proud mother. <laughs> <laughs> You're not old enough to be our mother. I'm not. You're right. That's, that's absolutely true. How about a big sister? I can be your big sister. That's a good place to be. Or my Labrador. Or your Labrador. <laughs> You've 
heard enough of our of our podcasts to know we have this question, and I was going to mix it up and not ask you, but since you've said that, Lisa, if you were described as a dog breed, do you have any insight as to what you'd be? Have you researched this? I have not researched, and I meant to. I meant to look up some of my favorite breeds to see if I matched at all. We, as a couple, my husband and I, are very partial to pit bulls or half pits, and that's partly because the dog that he had when I met him, Shorty, uh, was three years old and he was half pit. We think half black lab, but we don't know. And he died at 10 and a half, which was such a big loss mm. in 2017. And then we just took a pause. We knew it'd be at least a year before we could get a dog again. And when we did start looking, we would always, as much as we said we should get a different breed, we'd always look at the pit bulls or the part pit. And we tried a couple, we, we, kind of got to know Rottweilers and that they're such cute puppies, but ultimately as adult dogs, it's not the breed for us and did some fostering. And ultimately we got a dog in August, 2020 when we weren't planning, like time had passed. We're like, this isn't going to happen. And it was very unexpected. And he did look like he was part pit when we got him, but we were told he was terrier and boxer. We did a DNA test and he's half, fully half boxer. And the other half is a blend of Vishla, Great Pyrenees, some kind of sheep dog and Alaskan Husky. Oh, yeah, he's a gorgeous dog. Oh, Kodak, Kodak, who you've met. Is, yes, but I feel like interestingly enough, he has your abounding energy and pride. I feel like he's just a beautifully comfortable in his own skin, happy wherever he's at, and really can go from one thing to the next with with ease. Wow, that's a good assessment. She's a good I haven't dog met your dog, analyst. so I can't assess anything. But I think I also just assessed you. So it's interesting that the dog that found you is similar to you. Now I'm looking at my little shaggy Tilly sitting here. I don't think Tilly's anything like me, other than the fact that she likes to be pet. <laughs> Well, one of the things I'll say, so one of the things we miss so much about Shorty is pit bulls are really luggy, lovey, huggy. They want to be on you. They're pack animals. And we would end the night with him. Usually I'd be on the couch, hanging out, watching TV, reading, and he'd be just on you. 70 pounds of him you know, on you. And I loved that togetherness. With Kodak, he is lovey. He loves to be petted and kissed and stuff, but he doesn't always like to be just right on you. He's... So I'm sort of little by little training that into him, which I do believe it can be trained, but some of it is pretty innate. So I don't know if he'll ever be exactly like Shorty was in that way, but he does have so many wonderful characteristics and he's, you know, he's under two. So there's still more puppiness going on. And was he rescued? Because that can, that can make a big difference on the loving part. Maybe he just needs more time to know that you are always going to be safe. He was rescued, but he was rescued at like six weeks Oh, okay. and we got him close to 10 weeks when we adopted him. But it's true, that could play into it, right? Uh, you never know the first few months of someone, of humans as well as a dog's life uh, could matter very much. But I, you know, I feel like there is an answer to that question for me. I need to study more dogs because when I think about the pit bull, I am you know, my main love language is touch. So I'm very much that. Um, I'm very loyal and protective, which a pit bull is, but I'm not as kind of grouchy and like river as pit bulls can be <laughs> when they are protect, right? So I don't know that I can wholeheartedly say I'd be a pit bull, but maybe a blend with a little 
people in there. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a good description of you too. Having See? having gotten to know you, I think it is. Describe your perfect day. What would your perfect day look like? I suppose there has to be the perfect day where you're not working or the perfect day where you're working. So I'll let you choose. Or maybe you're always really working. Well, I love what I do. So some of it, I don't like that line. It doesn't feel like work. It's it's when I made the decision to start my business, it was more about not that I always had wanted to start a business. It was creating the life I wanted to live. So I feel like that has been happening. And each year that goes by, that happens more and more. The perfect day always includes, I don't know what the order is, but includes some exercise. I love a, a run, whether on my own or with some of my running teammates. It includes an Oatly chai tea latte. I love it when I can read the paper usually the Wall Street Journal, like spend as much time as I want reading it. And I'm not reading it for my radio show. I'm not reading it to watch, you know, what are my clients doing or or aspects I need to bring to my client's attention because of something I've read, but I'm just reading it to read it, preferably while I'm drinking an oat milk chai tea latte. So that isn't, <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, definitely includes time with my husband and probably includes a happy hour or a wine lunch, wine with lunch. So happy hour is my favorite meal. So happy hours in that day, it's great. And, you know, just not having to be scheduled is really wonderful. Or if there is a schedule, someone else is scheduling it. Because as you both know, when you run your own business, you're constantly scheduling and then you're also trying to have social time. So that's more scheduling. So it's a dream when someone else schedules my day. Do you ever just wake up and look at your schedule and there's nothing on there? It is rare. And because usually even like on a Saturday where I don't have to do any work, I'm up and I'm running with my team at 7.30 or 8 in the morning, walking the dog, you know, different things like that. But uh, I'm trying to make it happen where there's more of that green space, as I call it, to just be and do and refresh. Did you see a huge shift in COVID in terms of your business and how your clients came to you? Yeah, I don't know if it was a huge shift. There were some big changes that happened and some of those changes helped me to narrow the focus on some of my services that I wanted to deliver. I grew some new areas of services or moved some in the direction that were really responding even more so to crisis and inclusion and equity topics that are really hot right now. They really shouldn't just be hot topics. They should be part of every organization. But those are some areas because they became so hot in 2020 and beyond that I I saw that what I was doing could really be marketed more toward that. So the clients I had knew that I did those things, but then it's more a case of marketing those services to others to know I do those things. Uh, And then, of course, in 2020, you know, main stage speaking went out the window and it took a while for it to convert to virtual and it didn't convert at the same price point. So now coming back to this world that's both blended and on stage, I'm very excited about that because we were forced to do more things virtually, which is also helpful even if you're comfortable with screens, but understanding the the client need or audience's needs. And and now having been in a, a handful of in-person events for clients, it is so clear people want to be back in person. It's very clear. But it's good that we have the virtual option or the hybrid option for people, even in the conference setting. Like that was the question I was going to ask you, but you answered my question. And I, 
I wanted to know because I haven't personally done any public speaking yet. I did a lot of it before COVID. And do you feel like the people that are there are very receptive and they want to, they're actually listening harder or longer or they're not as distracted because they haven't done it in so long? Did you get a better response? You know, I don't know if it was better. So my very first back in person was April 2021 for a half day women's conference. And I was the MC for it. And then I moderated a panel within it. And then there were some other speakers I introduced. It was about 250 women. They did a combo. You could be virtual if you wanted. And they had about 50 virtually. And then the in, the event space maxed at 200. So that was by choice of the event space. But they got, you know, the maximum number of people they wanted in person. They had another 50 or so joining virtually. So there were more people who came in person because they could and wanted to. And you just saw a lot of gratitude with people wanting to be there. I believe that the content was very good and that's how always helpful. And I don't know that I would say people are more or less attentive to the content, but what I do notice is more gratitude for just being together. So people maybe took for granted that there were all these conferences or in-person events before, and now they're craving them. And I think we will see more and more of them as uh, 2021 and 2022 move forward. I like that gratitude. That's true. That's a fantastic word. And it's it's very true. That's probably the word I was looking for. So that was good. Well, I think 2020, and it's so interesting, every single guest that we've had on has, when we talk about COVID, talks about what has positively happened in 2020 for them personally to a person that we've talked about, to, that we've talked to which is so interesting to me. So that ability to read the glasses half full, I guess, or to find the joy in even the worst times, is is it a skill? Is it a gift? I think it's both. I don't know. I think it's both. I mean, I when, when COVID hit for me, you know, I tried to say, how can I make myself better? And what can I do and take this time and help my clients, help myself? And the podcast came out of it, right? Along with some other things. So I was always letting my clients know, about that too. I think a lot of people have had good things happen to them. I mean, a lot of people have had really bad things happen. A lot of people have lost a lot of people. Work has shifted, but I think everybody could come up with one thing that was a positive. And I wonder too, is it an intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation? You said, I'm going to figure out how to make things better. I think that's an intrinsic. I think you're very intrinsically motivated, Rashini. Have you ever thought about that? I haven't thought about it in that way. I would say 2020, it would be hard to find someone who could say it was all bad or all great, right? If you're really honest with yourself, you got some good things out of 2020 whether it was more family time. For me, the big gift was such a dedication to simplicity. And that has been my theme ever since. So it's my theme word for 2021, and it'll probably stay my theme word. Simplicity? That's a great theme word. So, okay, let's talk about your closet for a second. Did you go into the depth of your closet with wardrobe, or did you stay within the simplicity of the front part of it where all of your things became easy to combine, use. Good question, What happened Katie. in the morning when you woke up and looked in that closet? Well, this is my one true confession that's really hard <laughs> to say with Lisa here is the closet needs help. The closet needs help. And there, I can't tell you how many times over the last several months I said, I need to just spend one day 
take everything out of the closet and do all that stuff you're supposed to do, throw, repair, donate, keep, all that stuff. I know it. I've had guests on my shows talking about it. You've listened to our podcast where we talk about it. Exactly. (laughs) You have such great tip lists. And I just haven't made the time to do that. And I think it's not fear because some little by little, what I've done in chunks is I have clothes that I keep my clothes well maintained and some things don't fit, but not that many things. Like I still fit into things that I've had for a while. So then the question is, should I still have that? Is it either outdated or just I'm not wearing it? I've done a good job in the last two to three years of giving clothes that are still in good condition. I may still be able to wear, but maybe they're not my go-tos anymore. I mean, there was this one coat, it was red. It's hard for me to give away red things because red is my business color, right? And uh, one of my dear friends who's in TV news, she looks great in red. And so I said, well, do you want this coat? And she's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? And I said, yeah, no, I've, I've worn it now multiple seasons. It still looks good and it'll be like new in your wardrobe. So I feel like that's a way that I can take some of my nice clothes that for whatever reason, they're not a go-to thing or I've worn them enough and um, give them to other people. So I've done that and I feel good about my record on that, but I really do need a big purging and it's coming. It's just, I don't know. I haven't scheduled it, Lisa. (laughs) Well, now that you've actually spoken the words, I bet it's going to happen sooner than It is a confession I'm making right here on your podcast. (laughs) That... I'm proud of you. Thank you. Because now you've taken the first step. Because like when people call me, you know, they were referred to me, whatever it is. And I start talking about kind of what you just talked about. And you hear sighs, you hear these deep breaths, you're like, and they're like, they can't get past that. So they don't even want me to help them. I have created a very quick way to do it that maybe will take, Katie's done it, you know, maybe will take you an hour to an hour and a half. And it's really not an all day project. But once you do that, you know, you are going to feel better. And you're going to find things that you didn't know you had. I know you think you know everything in your closet, but there are some secrets in your closet. Like, oh my God, I remember that blog. Yes. I think I can wear that now. You know, it's going to be fun. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, You have more optimism about this than I. (laughs) Well, look at it as an efficiency, right? Right. You put this time into it. You're a person of efficiencies and you're, I love the way you schedule things and you're dialed into that. So I think it literally is, you know what? I'm going to email Mary and I'm going to tell her to block off some time in your schedule for you to get into your closet and then we'll talk. Okay. (laughs) Let's see how that goes. And then I want to text or an email. Lisa, look what I found. I am going to start wearing this. All right. That sounds good. Because I'm not about people going and spending a bunch of money on new stuff. That's like retail therapy to me. I mean, everyone needs it, but that's not that important. It's creating the wardrobe, right? Right. And making it all work for you on a day-to-day basis. You might need some... You might have to fill some big holes in your wardrobe, but that doesn't mean you just go out and shop and you buy a bunch of new pants and a bunch of new shirts because you don't want to deal with your clothes. No, I have plenty of clothes. Like that's not the issue for me. And shopping, actually, I'm not big on that. I need to be shopping all the time. It'll go in spurts. But yeah, it's more, this is the clearing. So I do have, I need one little bit of professional advice. I do have this (laughs) pair of pants that I bought. I tried them on. They're a beautiful sapphire blue. And then one side has like a racing stripe down vertically. It's like a black and white. I mean, it's, they're gorgeous. 
and they're just like a tidge too small. But I knew when I bought them that I was getting back into my my good training for races and things like that. So what's your take on? I mean, I know that I'm training for a half marathon right now. Within the next couple months, they should be just fine. What's your take on doing something like that? I don't do that all the time. That was like, it was the only pair and I could fit into them, but they're just a little tight around the tummy. So are there pockets? I can't remember. I don't think so. I have a feeling I know exactly the style of the pant. So the first thing you can do is look at the seam allowance. Okay. Because if there's a seam in the back, seam in the front, a seam on the sides, if you take it to a good tailor, they can just let out all the seams just a little bit. And that'll work. And that will work because, yes, you're training now and you might lose weight, but we're getting into winter. You want to be able to wear the pants a lot. It's right. not like I, I can do. only wear these when I'm feeling skinny. Right. So just and they're look. from Anthropology and they were on sale. <laughs> like, it was the only pair and these are so awesome. There's probably a little bit of a seam allowance. Okay. I'll so if you take it to somebody that you trust and ask them if they can let it out just a little bit in all the seams. Now, if there's pockets... That's a whole nother story. They might just be able to let it out in the back, the butt, the seat, and the thigh. And that might help too. So alterations becomes very important. All right. Great advice. And then you'll wear the pants all the time. That's what I'd like. To the extent you can wear sapphire pants. I mean, it's not a Yeah, but you wear a gray black (laughs) booty and you put on your favorite black blazer. Or my duster. Or your duster. Yes. I love it. All right. Now we're going to we're gonna shift gears completely. And I know you have a giving heart and you do a lot of pro bono work for nonprofits. And we've been involved in one, Proof Alliance, which I know is near and dear to your heart as it is to mine. We asked for a nonprofit and you picked Firefighters for Healing. What's your connection to Firefighters for Healing? Well, Firefighters for Healing is this great Minneapolis-based organization. And as is the case being out there in the media, you learn about a lot of organizations that you might not find on your own. And Jake LaFerriere, who's the founder, was a guest on my show many, many years ago. A mutual friend who was actually on his board is who suggested him and helped me find him or presented him to me. And he was a firefighter, became a firefighter in early 2001. And 10 and a half years later, he survived a backdraft in an explosion on the job and was burned over a good part of his, like most of his body and ended up having to heal and ended up not retiring right away, but he wasn't, of course, firefighting to the same extent, but in 2014 had to retire because of his injuries. So he started Firefighters for Healing and it's an organization that helps firefighters, children, and their families where kind of insurance doesn't, that financial support after trauma. And they are starting a healing center, transitional healing center. It's a one of a kind thing in downtown Minneapolis. So that is new and they raise money for that. And uh, I'm just so excited that they have that place and that space. And uh, Jake is just such an amazing spirit, Jake LaFerriere, and is a, a bundle of energy and he has a great team around him. So it's an organization that's been on my show over the years, several times. Jake was the first. He's been on again. Paula Wilhelm, who does their PR and is uh, one of their board members, has also been on the show many times. I've got some Firefighters for Healing swag that they give me, which is very sweet. But it's an organization. I mean, who doesn't love a firefighter, right? And they go into danger. So we can all live, right? So we can be safe. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So firefightersforhealing.org. 
is their website. You can learn more and support Jake and in this endeavor and really let's make this just such an incredible gift that we give to them. You are an incredible gift. Now, I know we can hear you on WCCO on Sunday mornings, and I had the honor of being on your podcast a couple of years ago already, was it? 2019. So crazy. So everything you do, I just feel you do with such a level of professionalism and really enjoyment. So I appreciate you for that. So WCCO... Dot com and they're on Odyssey. WCCORadio.com. That's it. Forward slash Rashini is my radio show. And then on Facebook, Discover Minnesota with Rashini, which was started during COVID. And we go all over the state visiting different, usually small towns, but sometimes bigger places. And uh, that is uh, going like gangbusters. The show itself, Discover Minnesota with Rashini, has nearly 30,000 followers. And that page just launched and the show launched in December. So that's really fun. And what's really great about doing that show as the host and the producer of it is we shine the light on a lot of places around the state that you might not know about, like the town of Wabasso, 700 people. Who knew that on Tuesdays in the summer, you can roll in on your motorcycle, a thousand bikes roll in. It's a family-filled event all over uh, Wabasso for these roll-ins. And these episodes are approaching 500,000 impressions. Which is For the first 25 episodes. And what did you say the little town of Wabasso had? Oh my gosh, they are in our top five most viewed and shared. A little town of 700? (laughs) So and it's where amazing. do people stay when they roll in, or do they just leave after? They pretty much leave afterward. You can stay, but it's a roll in. So you roll in, have some fun. If if you're a motor, and then the people in town are there too. They're having fun with you. But uh, it's kind of it's the visual for me. And I want to go one of these summer Tuesdays. The visual for me is like a carnival every Tuesday night. You know, just fun and and fair sort of atmosphere, food, and you can check out the restaurants. And where is Wabasso? We're going to test your knowledge. Well, thanks for asking, Katie. It is in southwestern Minnesota, not too far from a town that uh, 70s popular American culture, Walnut Grove. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Laura Ingalls Wilder. Exactly. Well, that's for another time. But what a wonderful opportunity to get to know a little bit more about our state. I think it's great. It's been fun. And when you learn about the restaurants, the breweries, the wine scenes in different places, the specialty shops, and just the incredible people. So we call the people we chat with for these episodes the tour guides. So in Wabasso, it was the superintendent of schools, Wade McKittrick. In Alexandria, it was the head of tourism. And uh, he was fabulous. And so each of these towns... I just ask for really people with great personalities to be our tour guides. So the episode is sort of kind of built around that person in a way too. That's fantastic. Well, we cannot thank you enough for being with us and for allowing us to turn the tables on you. You're used to being the one asking all the questions. So it's been fun to get to know you a little bit better and share who you are. Well, thanks so much. And thanks for making the questions fairly easy. (laughs) Thank you very much, Roshini. I really enjoyed it. Well, as usual, we could probably carry on that conversation and learn a whole bunch more. But hey, Wabasso, maybe I'm going to have to take a motorcycle trip there with Dana. I won't be doing that with you, but let (laughs) me know how it is. (laughs) I'll report. I'll report. Well, Lisa, we have just, I mean, it's been truly a joy to do, do these podcasts. I didn't ask you at the beginning, but do you have any idea what number this is? 
I think it's episode 15. Mm, I think it's 16. Really? I do. I think it's Could 16. Could I be wrong, Katie? Well, what were you wrong about last week? I have to point it out. Oh, the, la- uh, the last episode, it was what content was m- the dress that I was wearing. And I said it was fully cotton. And you said, absolutely not. And what did we find out? It was fully cotton. Yes. You don't have to share that with <laughs> the world, Katie. <laughs> oh, well, the world, you know, poor the few people that listen to our podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Growing every day. Our numbers are good. Our numbers are good. We thank you all for listening to us. If you want more information from Lisa, you go to Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And I am Katie at katieharms.com. You can learn more about us at theviewinyourmirror.com. And we thank you for listening. And we know because you're listening to us religiously, we're sure that the view in your mirror is only getting better and better. Until next time. Oh,